This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Hey everyone, welcome to Tales from the Pros, and this is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder at Imagine Ovation. My wonderful guest with me here today is a veteran leader in sales and revenue growth and has been named CEO of Uptime.com, a leader in website monitoring software. He brings more than two decades of sales and revenue leadership experience to Uptime, and he's been driving growth for numerous public and private software as a service companies, such as, such as Chargeify, Rackspace Cloud, and Inspired eLearning. Please welcome Mike Welsh. Mike, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Michael. Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's exciting, man. I really, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, as uh, we talked before, you know, I've, uh, I've heard of Uptime uh, before, uh, even before, uh, you know, we kind of initially, con- our teams connected. And uh, I think I've, I've seen maybe some ads or, or saw it somewhere, maybe on LinkedIn. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think many people can find interest in what you're doing and the value that you're providing to the community and just to different audiences. So yeah, excited to get into it. Uh, so before we kind of get into, you know, uh, just your experience and, and what you're doing now at Uptime, let's talk a little bit about your story, right? So, you know, Tales from the Pros, as you know, is business storytelling podcast. And I want people to understand and get some background of, of kind of how you got to where you are today. I know you were named, uh, recently named seven or eight months ago uh, as the CEO of uptime.com. And, and now you guys are, are really growing and thriving. So uh, tell us kind of how you, how you got here, you know? And you don't have to start when you were born. You don't have to go that back. Yeah, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll skip forward a lot and, and save, save all your viewers um, some real boring moments. But I, I I think I, I followed a uh, relatively traditional progression from like sales guy um, to sales manager to sales leader, uh, VP of sales, CRO, and then finally CEO. But that sounds a lot more contrived and obvious than it is. I, I think um, for me, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I talk a lot. Right. I, I try to limit it. And as I get older, I talk less and try to make my my words more meaningful. Um, but I'm also a verbal thinker, so I'll think out loud. Um, so generally speaking, I'm I'm obvious and humble and transparent about who I am, but I wasn't always that way. Certainly as a, as a young kind of seller and aggressive and working more hours than everybody else or, you know, trying to be smarter than everybody else or whatever advantage I could get. Um, to sell more and be super competitive and all those things, um, kind of had to get shown that that's not really healthy. It's not beneficial. Ultimately, it's not a successful path to take in terms of sales. Um, so as I learned that through my progression um, and got better and better at being transparent and humble and and genuinely caring or allowing myself to care. I think I always care, but I, I just kind of shelved it because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Uh, you know, sales manager's got to be hard. Sales VP's got to be even harder and not, you know, director's got to be this. That's right. No worries. Um, all of these kind of uh, expectations from media and movies and what you see and uh, just had to jettison all that. And it probably took me about 10 or 15 years to do it. Um, and to get much more comfortable with how you sell, how you collaborate, how you lead, <clears throat> excuse me, how you lead, um, and those types of things. So I, I could talk about my career and, and starting, you know, with a with a very young rack space and Moso and and the cloud stuff, and then my progression in technology. Uh, and I'm sure we'll probably poke in and out of that. But the truth is, it's been a growth curve and a spectrum on me becoming self aware. <laughs> Um, and understanding, yeah, yeah. Understanding what I really want, um, understanding what I really need, um, and then making the connection to others on what they really want, what they really need and just bridging it. And I think that works whether you're in sales or, um, kind of ultimate leadership as a CEO, it's no such thing as ultimate leadership, right? I got a boss. Um, so it's, 
it's the connectivity for me that I kind of got back to. And that's why I'm here, how I'm here anyway. Yeah, no, I completely understand. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I think some people, at least ones that I've spoken to, they underestimate what it really takes to be a CEO. Uh, you know, I think CEOs and, uh, and entrepreneurs, they're used interchangeably. A lot of times I, I hear about it, but not a lot of entrepreneurs make good CEOs, mm. you know? Okay. Uh, so, you know, being a CEO is, uh, you know, I, I just know this from experience, you know, being a co-founder of my company as well. And, uh, just the, um, the amount of pressure, uh, that, that you do have to, to make sure uh, you're performing, that your team's performing to make sure that you're, uh, you know, that you're paying the bill, that you're paying the bills, you're making payroll that, you, you know, you're, um, you know, maintaining and growing like a, a you know, a bottom line, having profit and, and just the whole financial picture and the, you know, the, the financial aspect, operational aspect of it that you have to pay attention to. It's just a lot of moving pieces and parts. And, and that's the thing is like, so for you, just over time, do you feel like, you know, going through Rackspace and all these other SaaS companies, they were just really all stepping stones to lead you to where you are today, right? And how did you, how did you get named as, as CEO? How did it happen? How was it? What was that um, kind of that story? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll walk back to the, to the beginning of the question and, and, and end with the end. But yeah, as a CEO is, is the most terrifying role I've ever had. Because um, there isn't any all right, you just decide, you know, I mean, you have to make the decisions and it's, it's, uh, it's lonely. It is, you're on an island, like every decision you make is impactful. And there are, are, I mean, people's livelihoods are on the line. Um, their lives aren't, but their livelihoods are, which is probably number two in terms of everybody's kind of no. uh, ladder of importance, right? So I, I think um, it's a hard job. It, it, it really is. And it's not so much um, about the thinking and everything else. It's just, you have to start and finish, right? And if you do it well, if I do it well, we get everybody involved and everybody understands um, that there's no magic wand. And that from my perspective, it's gotta be collaborative and we all work on this together. There's no bullshit. It is, I, I'm not some type of magic wand guy where I can say, well, this is the right way and this is the right way and this is the right way. It's help me understand what the right way is going to be. And doing that with no ego and, and just straight humility is, is hard. It's really, really hard not to just sometimes say, forget it, we're doing this. Because <laughs> that's right. oftentimes the, the wrong thing, but then sometimes it's, it's vitally necessary. So anyway, so that's uh, my view on the role as CEO. Um, I never really wanted or needed to be CEO. It just progressed that way naturally. I think, I don't know which came first, the capability to be CEO uh, or the opportunity, but I imagine they got here pretty much the, the same time. Um, anyway, so back to how I, I got here and, and how I got to CEO. Um, so I have uh, I got a long history and, and a pretty extensive network that goes deep for a, a few decades, and that's just in the IT. I was in staffing before IT, um, and still got some vestiges of that, but it's pretty much the, the technology side. Um, and I do some mentoring with kind of founder and CEO types that are trying to figure out, how do I do sales? When should I do sales? Should I hire a sales VP? Should I hire a sales rep? Should I hire an SDR? Like, should I keep selling? Like trying to kind of walk through different sales structures and models. And I'm pretty good at conceptualizing that. Uh, one of my few uh, strong talents. Um, and so that's this, this kind of trail that our tail that I've been kind of trailing behind me for a while. Um, fast forward a little bit. I, I run into um, the managing director of the VC firm that, owns uptime and many, many other companies ranging in size from like one to hundreds, right? So, um, and I get him on the, or he gets me on the phone, basically he escalated it because one of my sellers was a jerk, you know, high pressure type of, of thing. And, and I get on this phone, it's this New York guy with an accent <laughs> and he's just kind of into me. And I mean, into me like 
poking at me like you know kind of operation or whatever and and we just got to where we were connecting and communicating and and I got him and he got me and there was a synergy there this was four years ago I think uh this is a pretty singular guy um and like he kept in touch all this time I solved his problem the immediate problem and he just never went away um and then last year when we were I, I'd gone into inspired learning to help them kind of fix and control sales it was, it was a little bit of a wild wild west uh, but get all those things right in order to sell we went through kind of some management presentations like 30 or 40 of them and and then sold the company to, to j2 global so all this time i've been talking to him um and kind of getting towards the end there it's like well, what are you going to do afterwards i i don't know i might take a break again or semi-retire or just not do anything until the next thing hits me in the face and it's like he, i need you to come and, and do this man we're ready it's 100 percent year over year growth nice we, we don't have any sales we don't have any marketing I and mean, don't get me wrong we have all those things they're just they're not formalized they're not commercialized they're not structured and then monitored and then measured and yeah all of those things as an entrepreneur you understand that right um I do. and as a ceo you do too you understand the need of, of getting these things in place and anyway so long story short uh, i exited the company in december and started here jan one didn't take a day off just started immediately and um then we're rolling Awesome. Yeah. Probably restructuring things, organizing it, you know, and increasing accountability and kind of just delegating everything accordingly. And, you know, it's, uh, it's very, very important. I know just from my experience and talking to numerous um, entrepreneurs and, and CEOs uh, that are thriving, uh, it's, it, it really is important the way you structure the company. It, you know, it's not just about having these ideas and, you know, even just about execution, it's about the, the, the efficiency in the organization, the organ, you know, you know what I mean? Making sure that people are playing their roles, that you're delegating uh, the right roles to the right people. Uh, I mean, that's so right. It's, I, I mean, the, so many the, things. Yeah. The, the framing of a thing. And I get excited talking about this because this turns yeah, back into the sales process and then how you communicate and like the, how you frame something and how people view something and how it gets framed, whether it's a, a sales interaction or the very existence of a certain type of title or like a, this is my focus and once you start putting definition around a thing then it grows an ecosystem of, of good and bad and everything else but until you do it's just this this kind of fountain of chaos and as soon as you start putting just some controls into place then it starts developing a momentum that, that turns into like, okay, yeah, we, we just started looking at this and all of a sudden we're all looking at this and and then things start moving in the right direction. But the, the framing of a thing is, is I, I've told this story many times, but as a seller, like uh, sales reps often get into problems where they're super nice and best friends and everything else through a whole, um, you know, five minute or five month long process. And then they try to close them, hard close them eventually because their boss makes them or whatever. Right. And, and the problem there isn't because you are now holding them accountable. It's because you never held them accountable before. It's much like raising a child. If they're accountable from step one and their expectation is you're going to hold them accountable all the way through, there's no problem demanding like, hey, we committed that we were going to execute today. I've got, you know, half a dozen people here. Uh, okay, Mike, calm down. Oh no, I got it. I got it. Uh, and and the, the expectations there, it's not pulling them out of the fantasy of the conversation you're having. I say fantasy, literally, it's not like you're spinning an untruth, but right. you, you are crafting a, a relationship, you and I, and an expectation and everything else. And the second I, I, I violate that, um, everything is kind of off and, and people have to re-examine everything. It's hard to recover from. Yeah, you're, you're so... So right. It's so true. What you said, you know, it's, uh, it, it's from the start. And I think that's where a lot of leaders make that mistake where they don't set the expectations from the beginning. They don't have that solidified, that solid foundation. It's like building a home. You don't have that solid foundation. Um, if you don't have that solid foundation and you continue to build on top of it, it's just going to crumble. So you have to have that same, uh, mentality with, with people, uh, you know, as, 
making sure they understand their expectations. You're aligned with what they're going to be doing for you, for the company, uh, and, and that you are aligned culturally and, and with the vision. Uh, and all that's very important, you know, is, is really creating that foundation, having those expectations from the beginning. So true. And I mean, we've all made, made those mistakes. Sometimes we, and that's, that goes the same thing with, uh, with customers too, you know, is setting those expectations, having that foundation from the get-go from the beginning. And it's going to just yeah. really, um, set the, you know, just to set the whole journey for, you know, just, just making it all seamless. Yeah. You know, it's terrifying for me to say no to a customer. I, I don't, it's just, it's such a counter thing. Um, but I just had to learn it over time. It's just, you, no, we can't do that. And just dive into it instead of trying to, because then nothing will ruin a relationship faster than starting something with good intentions and then, you know, ending in a terrible place where, you know, there's a much deeper, more negative impact than if everybody just walked away from the beginning. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. You know, and, and, you know, talking about uptime, Mike, you know, I, uh, just from the research I've done about, about you guys and, you know, the company and, and for you guys being, uh, one of the leaders in, in your market, in your industry, there's a lot of other companies that are trying to get there. And I know we're all growing. We're all, all of us are trying to progress. It's all about progression. We're always trying to improve and, and, you know, baby steps, always trying to improve a little bit at a time. Um, at least that should be the goal, but for you and uptime and you scaling and growing the company in general, like what does it really take in your experience to grow and scale a company like uptime? What, what, what does it really take? And I know you, you did mention a few things, obviously with people and allocating the right roles to the right people. Obviously that's a part of it, but you know, specifically for a SaaS business, because it is different than like a B2B service business. Yeah. The foundations of business are the same, but there's just, there's, there, there are differences of course, Yeah. (laughs) you know? So if you can talk about those a little bit. Uh, look, I, I think it's it's hard to define and everybody's got their own of course debt to to sort, solve, get rid of, pay off, whatever. Um, I the more people in this space, the better, first of all. I because I you mentioned at the outset, you know, people who just don't even have experience with like for what people in the tech space would be like, uh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, but they, I literally dealt with a prospect who's now a customer here um, just a few months ago who owns all of the, the, mm-hmm. it. I mean, define this in a way that doesn't get me in trouble. Um, they're holding company and they have multiple name brands, conservative kind of been around for 80 years types of, of things that, that now all have web properties associated with them, but no monitoring on any of them. Like they just, how do you find out something's down? Well, somebody notices it, tells us. <laughs> um, like that type of, of setup is, is there and, and ah, there has to be some awareness. There has to be um, some pressure on companies like Uptime or others in this space to, to grow, to improve. Um, there's also a benefit to seeing what somebody else is doing that's, that's innovative and, and interesting and, and cool or yeah, we thought about doing that. We've decided not to. Good. They go fill that niche and we'll keep working on ours. Um, I think with that time specifically, we're, I am um, super lucky in that there's been a, a bunch of unicorns that work at this company, man. I mean, a bunch of awesome. really smart, brilliant people that, that operate I mean, look, we, we've been around without a CEO for six years. That, that, and that's, wow. I'm not here because, oh my goodness, we can't manage this. I'm here because like somebody's got to be dealing with all these types of, of CEO uh, kind of decisions like branding or, you know, how, what product direction are we going to go to? Like what big terms do we make? Um, all, all the, those types of things at some point you just need a decider, but these, these unicorns have just been killing it and they've been operating from a technical purist point of view that makes this, this entire um, kind of feature and product like just super elegant, like very 
pristine and fresh and uncluttered. And I, one of the things you, you'll notice if, if, if somebody goes this deep, you look around the spaces, there's lots of companies that try to do everything for everybody and lots of noise and clutter. Yeah. And you can't figure out uh, what pieces of a thing are a thing. And look, some of these are, are giant companies that are way bigger than we are. So I'm not denigrating them at all. And I imagine at scale at that size, um, you, you start developing a pretty long tail of products. But the nice thing about us is we just go so very, very deep on like a much smaller, more narrow um, kind of subset of, of core functionality to where it's like, the, I, I, I get in fights with, with our CTOs and architects all the time because they're like, no, not putting that in the UI. And it's like, I, I really shouldn't be saying that to the CEO, but I love the fact that they're saying that to the CEO. And like, you have this whole dynamic because they're, yeah. they know what they're doing way more than I ever will. Um, so I, I think what, what really floats my boat about the opportunity here is they've done such a great job of having a really elegant, really usable technology with the core um, kind of functionality people need. But they, there's, we get one of our most common requests is we want to we want to change the sensitivity here. Like we want to be able to ping our website in milliseconds or every second or every 10 seconds or every uh, X amount of time. And we won't do it. We can, but we know that they'll get false positives and it won't be the right experience for them. And whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to use it incorrectly and we're not going to do that with our product. But you can look across the landscape and see a bunch of our competitors who absolutely do like that. And then those, those prospects come back to us because they're like, I can't keep getting all these false positives can't keep getting alerts when we're not down. Um, and yeah. the, you know, the way you guys are recommending this stuff gets set up is the right way. Yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> but like that, that type of uh, thinking on how we've set up everything about uptime is pervasive on our company from, from support all the way to, um, you know, just a sysadmin who's, who's working on SOC and things like that. Like everybody's just so thorough, so smart, just really blessed to be here. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. You know, I, yeah, it seems like you guys have really niched out. You're in a, in a particular space and it also seems like you have those unicorn employees, but they're also very passionate. They're, they care about the product. They care about the value that they're providing to the customer. That's so important. You know, you hear this all the time with just employees being at different companies and they're not, they're just not all there uh, emotionally. They don't, they don't, it's like they, they just don't believe in, in what they're marketing or selling or what they're building. Yeah. Um, and I think that does hurt uh, the company on a branding perspective. It, it hurts the culture, uh, just many different levels. And it, that's, that's uh, very important to make sure that not just SaaS companies, but all companies have people that really, really truly do care, you know? So make sure you uh, hire slowly, hire good people. You know? that's, that's the key, right? I, you know, I, I hate the CEO speak of well, what keeps me up at night is, but that does concern me because at scale, it, it has to break down. You just you lose the, some sense of connection. And I'm sure she, I, my sister's got a PhD in psychology and sociology, and she's super smart. And all these things, she can probably tell me exactly what the number is where kind of tribes break down and start to splinter and where you lose some, I don't know where exactly it is, but I know it's going to happen someday. I just want to keep it out as, as far as I possibly can because man, it sure is nice to be with really motivated, really smart people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, talking more about just SaaS companies in general, and obviously with your immense experience, when a a uh, startup, when they're in, you know a, a, a SaaS startup, when they're trying to kind of figure out their monetization plan and all that, right? And I know there's so many different plans that you can, there's so many different strategies that you can go about, like freemium or or you know paid subscription or uh, microtransaction. There's so many different things that you can do. But in your experience, are do you think a lot of these SaaS startups are making mistakes with? the way they're monetizing their products? You think that some of them are just monetizing too early? 
they should probably build a free community base first and then monetize that? Or, you know, what's what's kind of some of the, uh, you know, just the problems and challenges, not with just monetization, but even other aspects of SaaS companies? Like, what are some of the problems that they, that you've seen them face and just to, how do they overcome them? You yeah, know, I, I, I think I don't, I, I would never call myself an expert on this, but I, I, I have this debate pretty regularly in terms of like, is first of all, everybody wants to go up to enterprise. Everybody wants to go upstream to enterprise all the time, whether, yeah. whether you're SaaS or whatever the basis is. And then everybody wants a flywheel. Everybody wants, I mean, so everybody wants to have the, the free accounts where you look at all the, the, the people that, that we're going to generate and some of those are going to grow. Right. And right. Right. I, I think that the end of the day, like everybody wants everything and recency bias is really real and it's really dangerous um, in terms of what you know and what you don't know. So the, the way I manage it and, and think about it and have tried to um, keep aligned with is to try to stay within my lane. Like I, I th there are things that are, are kind of integral and part of every company that's out there, whether it's a day old or, um, you know, a hundred years old. Um, and you got to be realistic about what you're doing. I mean, you, you got to design to the customers that your product really resonates with and, and developing a flywheel for, I don't know, um, inner tubes. <laughs> I, yeah. I, are you going to get a flywheel out of that really? And one that will grow and one that will like <laughs> meet your needs and like having a, a realistic, kind of mentality on on what you will build like for instance rackspace and going open cloud and and open source and doing these things like we made an active decision in leadership there like we can't compete with aws we don't have the money like at first they, we weren't too worried about them and then like all of a sudden they just annihilated everybody in the cloud space yeah right? AWS. yeah uh, it's it's just it happened. We were Rackspace Cloud. We thought that we, we'd get this stuff sorted and, and then it was us and them. And then it, we were very much like not there. But, you know, some of the cool things that we did was like uh, open cloud, open source. And we allowed other people to come in here and kind of publicize the cloud and people could build their own clouds. And it did some really amazing stuff, not the least of which was allowed us to try to keep pace developmentally with AWS. Maybe we had... 40, 50, 60 developers, but I think Amazon probably had at least 10x that. And there's no way. We probably thousands. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I like that. That's developing like uh, maybe not the traditional sense of a flywheel, but that's like there's something there. There's a there there. Like you have a product that's in line with that. And so you can develop it. But developing a flywheel when there isn't one is, I mean, why would you? Um, so I don't. I like the concept of, 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 of a flywheel and developing a community. I think it's intellectually, it appeals to me. I, I see lots of value in it. Um, but there is absolutely no doubt that the freemium and very inexpensive uh, kind of baseline users create a lot of work. Maybe not right away, but they eventually do. Um, and, and develop some, some, real cantankerousness in terms of your product because some of those folks are some of the most judgmental quick with their um kind of well, judgment of you as as a competitor or a provider or uh vendor or whatever and and sometimes it's just so hollow so it's it's just be careful what you ask for i'm i'm personally like I, i've got to base it on fit i don't think uptime is, is great in, in that space. I think we're too deep. I, I think it's the, the functionality that's in our UI and our control panel is not gonna be used by somebody who wants just an up-down test on their basic internal site. You know what I mean? Like they, they just, yeah. how am I ever gonna compete with, with free accounts on that? Cause I, my marketing's not developed towards it. It's not like the, the whole process and consumption is not built that way because I know what you're saying. yeah yeah i got millions of dollars invested into like these, these products going this deep i 
I have a dog that's oh, okay. having a nightmare. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> yeah. sure. I'm a, I'm a dog lover. Don't worry. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. Everyone she loves dogs. Over there. <laughs> anyway, um, probably time for me to stop talking in any case. But so it, it's like for our product, it doesn't make sense. Um, it could. And maybe I'm just, maybe, maybe I'm a dummy and looking at it wrong. Um, but I, it, it's just the stuff we have and the capability that's under our hood, it's just not going to be meaningful for someone who just wants to drive to the to the grocery store and back. Like it's just did, did you have uh did you before you were CEO was the the pricing model different at uptime than it is now where you are you know you're leading the company? Has it kind of changed? Uh is the audience the same too? The terms of customer? Um, <laughs> that's 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 funny you asked that. That's it's, it's some work in progress stuff that's oh, going on right now. Okay. Um but but look I I'll 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 Frame it this way, like we have dozens of the largest companies on the planet that are customers of ours. Um, and a lot of them don't consume it, consume uptime in that traditional kind of SaaS kind of model. So they're, they have pushed us in a lot of ways, technology-wise, uh, feature-wise, outlook-wise, like they've, they've really helped us. We have really nice partnerships with some very large nice. companies that are aware of our size and the contribution they're making. And just somehow it's, we're a good fit for that type of collaboration. Um, but they've pushed us on, on creating new pricing paradigms. And like, you know, I, I we don't want to buy an SaaS. We're enterprise. We're yeah. The five largest companies on the planet. We're not buying SaaS. Like we're not going to buy, you know, this bundle from you. Here's we can, what we can we build want. it ourselves. We can build it ourselves. Yeah. And by the way, here's our paper. Go sign it. And you know, yeah, you have those types of things. And yeah. it's like, yeah, okay, great. So like <laughs> we'll change and we'll accommodate different pricing over time. I don't think that we'll go away from SaaS. Uh, but I, I do think um, that we'll have a more customizable SaaS kind of hybrid solution. And the, the trick is. Okay, we just don't want to go to just a straight skew, like, hey, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, we're acting like we're, I don't know, ABC gigantic company. Um, we don't want to do that, because then that gets away from who we are. But I think what we can do is say, hey, if you want to buy preset package and not worry about how you're going to go configure all this, great. If you want to configure, then come follow this channel. And, and you can both walk down the, um, the tunnels that you choose. And then it becomes a like, how do you want to consume us rather than you're small, somehow not valuable, you're small, medium, or you're medium, or you're large? Because I think the, the new age of, of technology and, and SaaS is not going to be less valuable, middle value, really valuable. It's going to be how do you need to consume us? And then how can we like, provide that consumption to you in a model that scales? Like the, the scales on either side. So I, I don't, I'm not ever going to come up with the answers to those things, but hopefully I can start getting a little close to them. Yeah. But at least, you know, at least Mike, it, I mean, it seems like you're listening to your customers and, and they're, they're pretty much a part of the changes that you're making to anything in the company. You're listening to your customers, you're getting feedback on pricing or the way you're building and implementing, improving, optimizing the system. Uh, and that's important. You know, you, you have to be uh, customer focused and customer centric and, and you'd be surprised. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies don't do that. They, they're kind of uh, stick to what they believe uh, is, is right for their company um, instead of the other way around where they're listening to, they're listening externally to their customers and saying, guys, like, you know, this is what your platform needs. I mean, yeah, if one or two say it, okay. I mean, you know, maybe you have to get, uh, you know, more people saying it just to kind of validate it. But uh, in essence, you know, it's, it's good that you're listening to your customers. And I mean, that's going to help you to grow, and, you know, all this stuff. So <laughs> that's not real to, to thread. I mean, it's, yeah, of course, the customers are, I mean, customer's opinion is, is job one and, and all of those things. Um, but also the number of people I've talked to in the past two months who could build our entire platform over the weekend um, is, is more than you ever want to know. Cause like it's, 
sometimes they don't know what they what they think they know and like threading mm -hmm. that balance and, and being strong and calm and reasonable about the places that you won't or can't bend um while at the same time having a culture of please tell us how to improve what else can we do right yes <laughs> there's a real schizophrenia that happens there but i, I think that um, if I'm really calling out one thing aside from the technology at uptime that that is amazing is the culture of that. It's like I walked into it. I wish I could take credit for it. Um, but there's like we, you know some of our largest customers are just straight to to our chief architects and mm. and CTOs and CPOs, and there's a and they know when not to abuse it and don't generally. Um, but sometimes they're like, hey, this is an architect problem. <laughs> Please escalate it. Thanks for your help, but let's get let's get uh, one of these other guys on. I mean, it, it's just it's just real. It's very very yeah. real. You know, and um, you know, just talking about uptime itself, like the the value that you guys are are giving to your customers. Uh, you know, when when it comes to monitoring a website and the problems that you encounter, I'm sure I can't even imagine. Uh, you know, the, the amount of uh, sites that go down and companies probably don't even realize it um, or they, they don't get any notifications, nothing, you know, it, it's, it's probably crazy, but it just, what are things that you are noticing, Mike, or what you've noticed with just the problems that a lot of websites do have and do have on a performance perspective? Uh, do you, is it, is it, I mean, any statistics, any, any data, I mean, what, what kind of data did you find lately that's, been kind of uh it can just be surprising or well it's it's i, I don't know i you, you probably got some some salty folks that are like yeah i've known that for 15 years thanks pal but uh, the i i think one thing that 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 your your subscribers or or the folks listening might be interested in is like we talked about the freemium model we talked about like the, the flywheel and there are some very good companies out there who are very good at basic checks up and down, get it for free. If you want to do anything advanced from that, then you have to pay. Right. Um, and some of them are still, they're faking it till they can make it on, yeah. on the, like the deep end of that. Right. So it, it's, there's, there's some of that stuff out there, but the, a lot of people start monitoring by saying, is my site up or is my site down? And that's just, there's some super basic stuff there that it's just very basic. That can do. It is. It, is my certificate expiring? <laughs> it's just, it's up and down. There, there's five, 10 basic checks in there. Some companies will charge you for every one of those individually. Some charge you for, you know, one fee for all of them or some don't charge you and you can use a couple. That's a third of the the kind of stool in terms of monitoring. So yeah, is is my site, is my page, is my this, is my that, is it up? That's great. But what about all the elements that are inside a page? Is your buy now button working? Is your login now button working? That's is what I'm your, talking about. Deeper, like much yeah. deeper. Than, I mean, performance. Like, how is it actually? How is your page actually doing? Absolutely. <laughs> like people are like, yeah, hey, great. My site's been up. It hasn't been down for like yeah, two and a half yeah. years, but nobody can buy anything. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. And the buy stuff is is it's it's meaningful and it's it's obviously the most important piece of it, but it's not that important if somebody never even gets to it. And if someone's like, add this to my cart, but it doesn't add something to your cart, or it adds the wrong thing, or it, it you know what I mean? So like you've got all these different elements and and you know, CTAs or or uh Call them buttons. I'm not sure exactly who else. Is. All the call to actions, all the, the yeah. contact us, the inquiries. Yep, everything. Yeah. So you go click on a site for a thing and you want to know that that's up. And that's the synthetic and, and just the basic kind of transactional, like this transaction working. Yes, it is. That's still only another third because you still got a, 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 an additional piece. And this is where you can get really deep and it gets really hard is the real user monitoring or RUM, which is where's this person going and what's the progression through this page? Like, okay, yeah, I see that my, my transaction checks working and my up downs working. That's great. But they're timing out like, or they're, they're not getting to X or like at their load time for, for these elements that have to sit and wait for X. And so then all of a sudden the user experience becomes the third piece. So true. Yeah. Oh, I, like Google uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah. then now you have a, a holistic picture 
right of everything that's happening here and if it seems like overkill trust me your competitors are doing it and and not only are they doing it but they're getting pretty damn exotic about it there's stuff that i will never know that we can do i mean it gets so deep that it's just silly um but they're doing it and then they they're dissecting and pulling apart all of the CSS and code to find out where the errors are. And right. more and more, they're looking at companies like Uptime uh, and some of the other good deep ones out there to help them kind of decompose what the problem was and, and do some, some real, you know, post-mortem on errors or some dissection in terms of figuring out why is this breaking? Like it's much, there's, much, there's a much deeper collaboration coming yeah. in the next five years from companies like us than it has been around for the last five. That's exciting, you know, and oh man, I, 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 I can completely resonate with everything that you're saying, especially what we've uh, dealt with at our company on just the website perspective and, and just the, all the apps and things like that. You know, there's, you know, cause when it comes with a website, right? You're gonna have integrations like HubSpot, right? And we have like HubSpot integrations. Sometimes yeah. you don't know if that's working. Some, one time we, we caught an issue we tested everything. We thought it was working. One of our workflows, one of the workflow integrations between our site and HubSpot. And um, one of the, the, the triggers was not working, which was stopping them from receiving one notification. And that hurt our sales. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. understanding that whole performance much deeper, forget, you know, if it's up or down, I mean, yeah, that's like very, very basic, but in terms of like the, in terms of the, the user experience perspective, um, you know, how they're engaging on a page, you know, and, and where they're clicking kind of like that heat map type of orientation, Absolutely. you know, that's where it gets very powerful. I think a yeah. lot of companies um, really need to tune in and, and understand that. And uh, when it, when, when it, when they're ready, uh, when they're at that, at that time point in time, when they, they really need it um, you know, some, I'm sure some websites don't need heavy, you know, uh, performance checking. And I think a lot of them do, you know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy. It's, you know, we have, I, I spoke with a customer a few weeks ago and they always have uptime up. Like they, they, they never, ever, ever don't have uptime up. If I can throw in a whole bunch of negatives into one statement. Um, but they even use us in lieu of like Google Analytics because they don't always have that up, but they can then go into real user monitoring. They can see what, I mean, the, that type of blending is, is just coming fast and furious. It's not going anywhere. The predictive analytics, being able to tell you what might break um, what's, what's looking like, Hey, this is something we've seen before with this, uh, or with something similar. And you should check this. It's, it's got a yellow in terms of your predictive health here, like things like this, where we're, we're furiously researching and working on in the background right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if companies aren't working in these areas, then they're or already offering stuff in these areas, they're not going to be able to compete. So it's, it's the deeper and deeper and deeper always. And where do you do you think where do you think the future is going when it comes to just overall performance? Uh, even uh, you know as as deep as you want to get about user experience um, performance, uh, you know on a it could be on a design or it could be on a on a technical backend perspective. Where, where do you think it's kind of headed? Just with all the technologies coming out and all this you know AI and and just uh, there are lots of changes. Um, I think even just the way users and customers are behaving and performing online, the, the, the decisions that they're making, the way they're interacting with different platforms. It's just like a lot of changes, you know? Yeah, I, I wish I knew the answer to those. I mean, yeah. the, the truth is I don't. I feel woefully underqualified to, to offer an opinion there. Um, but I, I, I know that, that being able to collaborate with, with companies like yours or, or others where it's like we can't figure out what's wrong, we're getting this from you guys, but we don't see this on this, like and being able to collaborate. So human touch, I don't think goes away. And in fact, I think invested in correctly, certainly uptime has chosen to go all human all the time. That's powerful. Um, yeah, it's very powerful. It's too complex. It's just too complex. And I, I, I would love to be able to service it by AI and everything else, but uh, maybe 20 years from now, 
like AI is real. Now, maybe it's even real now. I, I don't I don't know. Um, but I, I know that people talk about machine learning and, and AI. It's either marketing speak or people just nod judiciously and hope that nobody asks them for an opinion. I, yeah. I, I know that it's real. I know that there are there are facets of it that are good. And and believe me, I've talked to some of our senior devs about okay, how do we AI? <laughs> Like, and, and, and everybody's got opinions on it, right? But I think aside from the predictive pieces and being very smart and conservative about what you're going to predict, um, it's not there yet. It's, it's certainly not for what we're doing. And it's just, there's no machine that can look at something and just intuit or rock. Yeah, listen, I always have problems with this. Like it's the transaction recorder that's working with this browser because I've experienced like it's probably this. Like it, it's it's a whole slew of of things that that AI can't do or won't be able to do for at least the, the foreseeable future. Quite but. some time that that a human can do. Yeah, I mean AI can be powerful for sure in in different aspects, but uh, the the human touch, that human element with technology combining it, I think is is very powerful because you know I'm sure with you and your your team that's. Uh, reviewing and monitoring different websites, um, they're able to catch things on a like we talked about user experience, right? How they're going, how they're how they're how a user is actually going through the, you know each page, where they drop off, what's the bounce rate? Yeah, you know where are they bouncing? How are they bouncing? Um, you know what I mean? It's it's good it's good for companies to understand the the user behavior on their applications on their, uh, you know, on their websites. That, I think that is very, very powerful. I know from experience, very, you know, we analyze that on the tools that we use and, and understanding the user behaviors is incredibly powerful because it just gives you more data and you can adapt your, your, your marketing and, and sales strategies. Yeah, it's not linear. It's, it's not, often, no. often it's not predictable. <laughs> it's not why predictable. aren't we, we invested all this in this? Like, why, why aren't people like, like, why aren't they looking at it more? It's like, because they don't like it. Yeah, well, whatever. But yeah, that's true. Where a machine would make judgments and people can't. Where we have customers that have six, 700 site reliability engineers that have accounts and usership with us. Like they're all managing different things globally, all have different requirements, but there's a consistency from talking to a person because we know who X company is, Y company is, Z yep. company, that a machine trying to diagnose and, and solve for them just turns into a frustrating experience for them, at least so far. Yeah. yeah, I can definitely see that. And and that's if if there if there was AI, that's if if it's even accurate. You know what I mean? Is it accurate what it's it's telling you? And I'm not saying that humans are always accurate. No, but it is it. You know, they, it, companies will invest all this all this time and money and resources in, into uh, machine learning and and AI. Even and like I said, in, in in some ways, it's very 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 powerful. I've used systems that has have AI and it is powerful, but it just depends. I, I think uh, with with your your area, you need that human element. I think that's a, a vital component. Yeah. Hey, look. In until they can successfully build a. Uh, a kind of call computer system that allow me to talk to my insurance agent or give me the information I need after I get into a wreck without talking to an agent, like that that's going to be my barometer. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, the rest of it's too complex. So I think, you know, I think the audience can definitely take away from this, Mike, is that I, you know, I've dealt with people that think on both sides of the spectrum, just human, human, you know, no tech, and I'm sure you've dealt with people not not very innovative, yeah. and then you get ones on the other side that are it's just tech tech tech. It's 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 kind of like just automation AI and and um you know and 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 funnels and tools and all this stuff and uh, software. That's great, but I, I think it's that balance um, having both of them. You know, and, yeah, and why not both? Why not both? You know, and this 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 thing that we have up here is is very powerful, stunningly amazing, awesome. You're so right. I love it. You're so, so right. Uh, but yeah, so uh, last thing I have for you, Mike, and I ask everyone this every uh, on every interview, uh -oh. uh, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to storytelling, right. And, and just you telling us your story and even your, you know, your expertise and all the knowledge that you have sharing all that with us. 
how would you define your story in one word? And it could be life, career, anything. But how would you just define Mike, Mike's story in one word? Can I have a hyphen? Sure. That's fine. Yeah. I just, I just call it self-awareness. Nice. Love it. One of my favorites. I could expand, but I, I think that's the best one that I could come up with fast. That's great, man. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been this has been wonderful, Mike. I I, I very uh, very thankful for having you here, and uh, I think you shared and poured a lot of knowledge, and uh, a lot of people can learn from this. And uh, whether they're tech or not doesn't matter. I, I think there's a lot of value here, and I really appreciate your time and and everything that you've that you've shared with us today. So thank you so much. So uh, tell us where can everyone find you, and and tell you know tell us the uptime site, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, we're, we're uptime.com. It's pretty pretty memorable. That's U-P-T-I-M-E.com. <laughs> no more complicated uh, than that. <laughs> yeah, don't go to any other uptime that's out there. Just uptime.com. Uh, you'll find us. You'll see You'll see the real deal. Um, I'm Mike Welsh, the CEO. You can reach out to me directly if you want. Um, you can figure out my email address. Um, but otherwise, if you're interested in monitoring, you want to talk to someone, you want to leave some feedback, um, I'm, I'd love to hear it. Or even if you just want to chat, like I mentioned at the outset, um, always interested in investing and in, in taking care of, of my network. So um, don't be strangers. That's great. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. Like I, again, I, I said, I'm very, uh, very grateful. I say that many times because I really am. I, I've tried to have a lot of gratitude. So thank you so much. For, for just being on the show, man. And um, I, I, I appreciate you. Yeah, this is my pleasure. It's been an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening, watching. And, and this is your host, Michael Giorgio from Tales from the Pros. And until next time, thanks, guys. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also follow our social media. Uh, there are links somewhere around here, but uh, we really appreciate it guys. Thanks for all the support and I'm going to be giving you awesome content continuously and we look forward to seeing you soon.